On this special edition of AV Week, we take a look at the residential part of AV. Via International is in receivership, what that means for their employees as well as for their customers. Planar has introduced AC through OLED, and CNET has bought a house strictly for smart home use. All that and more next on the AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like the Avenue Alliance. This is an AV Week special residential version. Episode 1, This Old Moose, recorded Monday, November 9th, 2015. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is a special edition of AV Week. We're going to call it the residential version of AV Week. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us is Mr. Matt D. Scott, London, Ontario, Canada, Omega Audio Video. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. Also with this is Uncle Richie, Rich Fergoza, uh, from Uncle Richie's wearing glasses and looking pensive. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for my like my book cover photo. I like <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to know what kind of book that is, Rich. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sitting here in the middle. I'm getting ready. We got caught in a snowstorm or a rainstorm that just started this morning. All of a sudden, a tree came crashing down in front of my house. I just showed Tim the the, the live video, the on-the-scene video of it. So uh, I'm just glad to be online right now. It was impressive. A very nice tree. It was impressive. Uh, <laughs> so with it's, this, a, it's a big old tree. It's a very big tree. Also is Julie Jacobson, uh, editor at uh, CE Pro Magazine. And also doing the <laughs> pensive... <laughs> oh, my Lord. The pensive book to, book uh, cover tour. How are you, ma'am? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Got to see uh, Julie at Cedia. Also got to Joe, see uh, last our buddy here, Joe Whitaker uh, at Cedia as well. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well, guys. Excited about the first uh, residential uh, effort in this. Yeah, I, last time I saw Joe, he was losing or had lost his voice on the, the Completely last day. By that. Yeah, last day of CD, Joe was actually on his way to the award ceremony. He's like, I can't talk, but yeah. <laughs> good, um, good, good impersonation. Well, yeah, it was a horrible impersonation, but thank you for for being nice. Uh, First up here, and if you've never watched AV Week or, or whatever, um, this is what we're trying to do is we're trying to do a little bit different here. We're going to focus on the residential market. So there will probably be a whole lot of, you know, fiber talk in the next few minutes unless, you know, we, we come up with something. Um, I couldn't think of another uh, commercial centric thing. So uh, first up, this is something that broke during Cedia, actually. Uh, <laughs> via International. Um, well, they closed their doors. Uh, what was it, Rich? The day of Cedia or the day before Cedia? Um, I want to say uh, Julie actually was, was actually, Julie hot broke on it. the story. It was the day of, and I was eager to get the story up, um, so I had to cancel my morning appointments on the day of the show. Wow. Well, there you go. So the day of yes, Cedia. We were, getting, yeah, we, we were getting all kinds of phone calls coming in, and... Uh, Everybody was calling in with scoops, I know. <laughs> well, scoops it was an and interesting also, news day. The scoops and tweets of support. That was the one thing that was kind of cool, right? 
It was here. You've got this this relatively you know it was a great effort. It was a, it was a big company. Uh, we've all had, had we all had friends that worked inside the the, the big uh, conglomerate via international. So there was also tweets of support, right? You know these pe- people have honestly lost their jobs, and one of the things that that Rich and I had talked about. Um, just kind of off the air and on the show floor was holy crap! You know, you've got you've got people who've, who've lost their jobs here. You have clients who are in the middle of possibly right in the smack dab in the middle of projects who are going to be not put in the best situation here, right? Um, so how do we fix this, right? How do we how do we come up with this? And one of the things, and, and the, the story is from from Julie's uh, CEPro dot uh, They've got a receiver, right? So they're going through the the bankruptcy process. They have a receiver. Um, some of the things, and Julie, we'll start with with uh, with you on this. Uh, you, you you write in here that, that the court appointed receiver is Cords and Company or, or Cadesco. According to your sources, what exactly are they supposed to do, and what are they going to do? I guess. Well, I've uh, tried to contact them on many occasions, and they haven't been responsive. Um, what the receiver does is looks at all the assets, looks at all the contracts between VIA and their contractors, their customers, their employees, and determine how best to divvy up the available funds. Um, so you're you know, supposed to petition them if you feel like you're owed something. Um, you know, so the question really is, and you know, it's, uh, when the news broke, it was sort of half support and half I told you so. And, you know, there's just no room in our industry for I told you so. You know, most new initiatives fail. They just do. And thank, you know, we all should be thankful that other people are taking those risks so we can learn from them. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's just no room for that uh, kind of cruelty. I mean, we should be thankful that they tried this roll up. Um, you know, so the some of the questions are, and we had this discussion a long time ago about who owns the code and this controversy about some dealers maintaining that um, they own the codes to uh, the code to any given project. So if another dealer wants to take over a project, they can't uh, because the original programmer owns that code. Um, but what this really uh, opens our eyes to is the fact that even if your uh, policy is that the customer owns the code once they're once they're paid for, and this was Via's policy. The problem is, when your doors are shut overnight, um, the bank comes in and takes takes all your computers, uh, may shut down your cloud access to any code, so you physically can't get your your hands on it. And so, you know, I'm I'm not quite sure what the status is. I've talked to some technicians who have who say they have the programs on their computers and they'll happily part with it for any customer that asks. But if it's tied up in the receivership, uh, what happens? Yeah. No, that's a really good question. And and Rich will bring you on this one because this is, you know, again something you and I talked about kind of off the air. What do we do as as you know professionals in this industry, um, trying to make right, trying to make sure that that customers and clients don't have a bad taste in their mouth about other you know integrators or other uh, digital concierges? Um, you know, is this something where 
I'm going to suggest something, you know, kind of 10,000 feet away that, that has no impact on me personally, but is this something where you kind of go in and, and you, you either do it for a loss or you do it for cost and say, you know what, as you know, to kind of get your business, you know, you go in and, and, and fix the mess. Well, I, you know, I mean, this this happened at our largest industry conference, and I think Joe will agree that, and we all would agree that what happened um, isn't good for the industry in general. Um, it's it's the residential integrator doesn't always have the best um, reputation going in in the first place, and so when something like this comes up, um, like Julie was saying, there's really no there's really no room right now from a kind of a triage standpoint of the industry to say, I told you so, I knew that they were going to go down because it's still going to affect you because you are still in this industry. And we've seen that several of the manufacturers and the vendors and the major vendors have jumped in and said, no, we want to find a way to make this work. I, I believe that uh, CD has had some discussions just at, at you know, the association on how we can restore um, some of the client confidence that, that's occurred because of this. Um, I know that there are several integrators regionally that are trying to find ways to not gouge a client, not rub salt into the wound, but at the same time say, look, you know, I, I wasn't the person who caused this. I'm going to try to help. I'm not going to necessarily charge a premium for it, but, you know, let, let's find a way to make this work. And, and again, the problem is, is that, you know, it's it's not that via just kind of quietly went into the good night. You know, I mean, it just woke up Monday morning and doors are closed. That, yeah. that was it. So it was sudden and it was abrupt. And a lot of people were sitting there going, what do I do? Uh, and I've spoken to a couple of people. And, and, and I think across the board, everybody's trying to find a way to make things right, whether they're directly involved or not. Because long term, from an industry standpoint, we need to make sure that um, we can recover from this and we can give the, the consumer confidence that hopefully, I mean, you know, that, that it can't happen again. All right, Joe, uh, here, I'll give you the hard question. How do we make sure that this doesn't happen again? I mean, let, let's be honest here. Julie makes a really good point. Thank God that people are, are willing to, to put their necks on the line and do things that are inventive and do things that are pushing the envelope. And yeah, you know what? Sometimes they're going to fail. I get that. Um, but that's what makes kind of the, the business part of this interesting and fun and, and exciting. Um, but, you know, for, I guess, from the client standpoint and from the the worker standpoint, how do we make sure that the, something like this where you wake up one morning and suddenly realize that you're, you know, the integrator that you thought was going to put in the home system in your, you know, multi-million dollar home isn't, isn't around anymore? Well, it's, it's funny. Since this happened, there, there, there was a, an immediate sense of urgency and a lot of conversations going on um, within the CDA board, uh, with Vin as the new CEO, the timing of him being there was amazing, um, and just a lot of really strange things going on. It opened up some old wounds, started some new ones, and, and you know, one of the in uh, the interesting things was is how everybody kind of within CDA came together, because it, re it reminded a couple of us of the uh, a first, first initial close down of Colorado VNet, the first time when they chained the doors shut. And uh, at the time, I was a VNet dealer, and I was like, where are my touchscreens, guys? And I couldn't even get anybody on the phone. And, and these things happen sometimes, but it, it's interesting the way CD and the organization kind of came together. Um, Hagai Finer from Access Networks, uh, Ter uh, Terrence Murray, 
these people actually contacted some of the VIA people out there, um, hired on some of the staff to put them back working. Um, internally, we've been doing a lot of phone calls, trying to place these guys, um, you know, get them back up. Because the initial, what everybody said was, these guys have lost 401k, insurance, everything was gone. And, and of course, that that is still, like Julie said, that has more to do with, with the receivership than anything. A lot of people don't understand the way that works in a business sense, that they may still get some of that, but that's not going to be clear until these guys are finished. And all the money might be, it might be gone um, before that. And, and, and you know, the I told, I told you so people, yes, the writing was on the wall. You saw Randy make a move. Um, Mark Hodges was in, in my early days in the board was a board member and he was, he was involved in VIA and you know, it was kind of, you could see it coming, but you saw some of the people preparing for it. You're already seeing some of the V, uh, the VIA companies go back out and actually start back up on their own as the original companies, which, which is great that they can do that. I, I don't know how the, the VIA thing's going to hold back, but the industry as a whole coming together and certain things we're seeing now. You know, Julie brought up the, the who owns the code thing. And I know a couple of the VIA companies, um, you know, back their stuff up on cloud servers that were paid for by VIA. So that means receivership owns those right now. Yeah. But you see companies like Crestron Control for Savant now using their own private clouds owned by like Control for where the code is stored. So if you change dealerships somewhere in the mist or a VIA thing happens, it, it's still there, it's still available. It's the customers. It's owned by them. Um, it, it got no. It got no light during Cedia, but I loved what Control Four did of putting the stuff on the cloud and associating it with that customer, or that client's account. Yeah. So they they now they truly do own that. But the industry coming together as a whole, I think, is probably one of the most important things I've seen because Via was so big, it influenced so many people, so many projects, so many employees, so much money for for people like. Julie to put the word out there, um, Hagai and Terrence and Vin, you know, pulling things together to try to help these people because it, it it's it, it was huge. It was a blow, letting everybody know that you know, you can't be Best Buy in Magnolia. Yeah. You know, when we're these integration companies and we're ingrained in people's lives more so than a plumber and electrician. So at the end of the day, everybody is hurt by it. But all these people are coming together to try to remedy the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and just to be clear, you were talking when it comes to Crestron and, and, and those the the cloud service for that. That's that is just the ping, right? That's not they right. Yeah, yeah. To be clear, that is just that. Hopefully, it spreads out a little more and and, and touches some more. But evidence of situations like this, I hope, is going to be a big proponent for these manufacturers to take note of that and actually have the code owned by the customer in some some former fashion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt, from your standpoint, obviously you've got a little bit different <laughs> situation. The fact that, that, you know, London, Ontario is, I'm not even sure if you're a suburb of, of anybody, really. I guess Detroit? No, no don't, don't put those <laughs> don't two together. Come on. That's I've painful. told you before. I'm a big, dumb American, man. I, I barely understand where, <laughs> where Missouri is. Um, two hours from Detroit. <laughs> okay. And you're two hours from Toronto. There you go. You're halfway between the two. You're fine. Exactly. Um, right in the middle. Right in the middle. Uh, so, from from your standpoint, again, you were with us when we all got the word that this happened. You yeah. know, kind of the same question to, for for that that we asked, um, you know, Joe and Richie. How do we make sure that this doesn't impact um, the industry? You know, as as a whole. 
I, I don't know how much we can control that. I think the the hard thing that our industry always comes up against is that you do have these issues, and for some reason we seem to be within the industry held to a higher standard than you would an electrician or a plumber, just as Joe pointed out. Um, there's something to be, <coughs> excuse me. There's something to be said for, uh, you know, the fact that in these situations, and I really don't want to get into the the coding discussion per se, but that's what it kind of does come down to. These clients do not want to be held responsible with, at times, multi-million-dollar systems that may not be able to function because their supplier went down. Um, I. I I think it raises a good point that we as owners, and I'm an owner myself, and Joe's an owner, and Rich is an owner, um, that we need to do everything in our power to not only protect ourselves from a business standpoint, but to protect our clients. They've put a lot of faith in us and in our companies to do a lot of really cool stuff for them. But if we haven't done our due diligence to make sure that in the event of a catastrophic failure of our company, that our clients aren't all going to be stuck with, you know, non-functioning systems and massive investments that don't work uh, or, or aren't serviceable. That's bad business on our part, and uh, you know, I think it's just something where we need to do everything we can to put all of our clients at ease and show that we are we're not just in it to make money for us and uh, to be profitable, but we're in it to take care of them in every facet, in every way. Okay, no, that makes sense. Uh, all right, uh, moving on here, uh, CNET. Uh, <laughs> the story comes to us from CNET.com. They bought a house, uh, and, and not that there's anything special about the fact that they bought a house, but they bought a house. They bought a big house. They bought a, they bought a very nice house. Um, they bought a big house. Yeah, well, here, let's, let's bring up the video just so we, we can you know see the whole thing. It's a nice house. It's a big house. The whole point of the house uh, is so they can... Uh, as they put it, um, do a blank slate when it comes to smart homes. So, Uncle Richie, we're going to start with you, simply since seeing that's in your backyard. Um, the whole thing here, and some of these pictures are not doing it properly, so I'm just going to say screw it. Um, this house, we, we, we talked a little bit off the air, the fact that, that our, our buddy uh, Josh Schrago, uh, who like lives two minutes from you, um, is has gone to the Target store or Target house? I guess it's the Target display in in San Francisco where they have all the smart home things. Um, I think so. That's the um, Yeah, yeah, going nuts. Um, <laughs> so where are we at when it comes to the the quote unquote the, the smart home thing? Uh, sorry, of course the. That's all right. We'll, we'll, of, of course, this 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 is this is when the uh, public work shows up and the oh, cops yes. starts. Um, you know, again, I I'm I'm a huge fan of it. I think that anything that increases exposure um, is going to help. And you know, I, I constantly talk to Len Blue and Bethes about it, but I think that IoT is starting to um, hit. You know, they're starting to 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 hit the beachfronts at this point. And I think that. The big problem that we have still from the, the CI market is that we constantly are trying to stick with what we got um, for whatever reason that we justify it. Um, and we aren't necessarily embracing um, the larger markets. 
And I think things that CNET jumping in on it. I think that Target jumping in on it. I think these companies jumping in on it. You know, it's it's the the rising tide raises all all ships. It, I truly believe in that. In that, there's going to be opportunities there that weren't there before when we are trying to push it solely from our side. Um, is there going to be issues with education and confusion and and the consumer? I think you know we were off air, and that was one of the things that we'd mentioned was, you know, the, the, the consumer confusion that's going to occur initially. And that's just because it's, it's being overwhelmed with all of these different products coming in. I think that's a reason why the CI, the CI market um, is going to grow from it, because we are going to need more people who are technologists, not necessarily AV guys, not necessarily video guys, not necessarily touch panel or control guys, but true technologists who are coming in and saying, I'm here to guide you through this process. There's value for it. There's a value add proposition, but it's going to cause completely different business models from what we've seen over the past 25 years. Mm. All right, Matt. So here's something that, you know, not, not a whole lot of people know about Matt. Matt is a, a regular guest on a local Canadian uh, radio station as their technologist, basically, uh, trying to explain everything from why BlackBerry still sucks and is a horrible thing um, to... <laughs> Do you have radio in Canada? They do no. have. They have one radio station. It's you called, wind it up though. They wind it up. It's um, like no phones. It's WCAN. Um, <laughs> w actually, yeah, W because it's most of most of Canada is east of the Mississippi. That's a bad radio joke. Anyhow, yeah, it's really um, bad. But good try. Yeah, good try. So anyhow, so you know, as you're explaining this to the the people interviewing you and, and over the airways, but also to your clients and customers, how do you do exactly what what Rich was talking about, and that's educating folks when they're going to you know best buy and 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 target and seeing all these things well we don't target anymore because of some bad business decisions by them but notwithstanding um you know it, it's really become a large part of our business and we used to be in that moment where you'd walk in you meet with a client and you'd instantly start talking tvs and sound and that was you know kind of where it started and a lot of times where it ended now it's becoming more of a all-encompassing conversation about how they use technology in general, and you know whether that be thermostats, lighting, you know iPhones, music, everything. You really have to kick off that conversation just talking about what you do digitally in your house and in your life, and uh, you know most people get very confused because there are so many options out there. And it's up to us as integrators, as technology integrators, to come across and really help them under, I hate to say understand what they want, but really just let them talk. Let them explain to you how they go through a day, what they want to do, what, what bothers them. And that gives you the opportunity to open those doors and, and talk about things like lighting control and T-Stack control. Gosh, we're having a, a, a T-Stack control on our you know, personal Slack communications right now talking with one of the guys and uh, you know it, it and that's that's a perfect example the the gentleman who's asking us he's in our industry but he doesn't seem to know anything about thermostats which isn't bad because it's giving us an opportunity to explain to him the features and benefits of a Wi-Fi enabled thermostat and you know it, most consumers kind of know that this stuff exists but not everybody understands the practical applications of how they work in their lives. Um, the only other thing I'll say, and this is kind of one of my concerns with the, the general basis, and I, I know Julie's written about this a couple of times. Um, I also read an article on This Old House that was talking about the top five uh, 
techno- technology devices you need in your house. And they were, from our standpoint and our industry standpoint, they were mediocre at best. And it, it's good because it gets people talking about it, but it, it's up to us to show people solutions that actually work and, more importantly, that work together. All right. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Joe, from your standpoint, you, you mentioned the fact that we can't be Magnolia, we can't be all those things. But these are where our, our client, well, this is these are where your clients are going, right? They're, that's where they're seeing things a lot of times for the first time. Uh, we all were, were at Cedia. We saw some really great imaginative things. Your clients, unless you bring them to them, um, are not going to see those for a while out in the wild. Uh, unless you're like our, our buddy Stephen uh, from Georgia who like calls his people from the freaking show floor of Cedia. I just saw the most amazing thing. You have to buy this. And he sells like 10 of them. He, no, and he sells 10 too. of them. Unfortunately, right? I do that too. But th- that's the amazing thing about you guys is you do that. Like, southern thing. It must be a southern thing, yeah. South of the mason Dixon line. Uh, so how do you, I mean, same thing, question either, is, is how do you, you take what they're going to see in the wild and explain to them how they, how they can integrate it in their space? Okay, well, you know, my, my approach uh, as of, you know, the last some years has has been a different a little different and i love the fact that this year at cda you know they kind of coined that new um the new phrase life lived best at home and that's kind of that's kind of the thing you know that pretty much everybody has touched on matt has touched on everybody has is you know the bringing together of all the devices and and the things that they do see in the wild yeah they're consumer devices but but oftentimes i'll invite you know potential clients or clients over to my house and give them exactly what they're going to see in the wild. You know, you walk into my house, you see a Nest thermostat on the wall. Uh, in the kitchen, I threw up some GE link lights just so they could see the difference between that and what we typically provide. Use Philips Hue for under cabinet lights and, you know, really kind of dragged everything together and showed them that, yeah, some of these consumer devices, guess what? On my home control app, I can still control these, you know? Yeah. Because these are things they're seeing out in the wild, but the thing is, is to be able to show the difference, to actually let them know and feel that there is a difference between these two. You know, if you go ahead and buy a whole bunch of Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever, Target stuff, and you you hit all off and you get the popcorn effect that we all know what that is, but they don't know until they see it that, why didn't that one turn off at the same time as that one? And that breezeway took five minutes longer well, because there, there is a difference between the consumer stuff and the, and, and the residential stuff, I mean, the, the pro stuff. And I really hope that CNET touches on that when, when they start doing this inside this house. To me, you know, I'll give them a lot of credit if they invite all, all five of us over to the house to stay a weekend so we can really see it for ourselves and say, you know what, this is the right house to be able to do this in. Yeah. This is going to work. Because, you know, a lot of times what they're probably going to do, it'll be your average CNET stuff, and they'll show some Phillips and some – GE and whatever Wink becomes and Lowe's new Iris Hub and they'll forget about the market where the actual stuff from IoT is coming together because that's what I just read an article I saw on LinkedIn this morning Um, I cannot remember who wrote it but it was interesting how they were talking about IoT and the biggest question is is my TV one of those things well we know yes yes it is it is it's connected it's got apps now it but nobody is really proposing yet the put together of all these consumer and pro because it's gonna happen I'm sure Matt has had some systems where there's a couple of things that they could buy at Best Buy or or whatever that's 
Well, that's a bad one. At Home Depot, you know, a Nest thermostat <laughs> or something that is considered consumer facing. But we as integrators and technologists, like Richard said, I love that word, by the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to start using that. We, we need to figure out a way to incorporate that stuff into our systems because that has a public open face. So the, the CNET house, I think, is actually going to be good for us if we can mimic some of the stuff that they are doing. And, and I would agree with that. I, I, I do hope that they, I, I don't know, we, we've had a couple of people from CNN on before uh, on, on AV Week and some other shows. I, I really hope that they grasp some of these, not just the, the commercial. I mean, I'm, I'm not just talking about AMX and, and Crestron. Uh, I'm talking about Control 4 and, and uh, Claire Controls and you're right, some of these other ones that um, they may not think of right off the top of their head because you're right, they are thinking more along the lines of, of what you can get at, at Lowe's and Home Depot and the, and the other ones. So, uh, The timing is crazy, though. I'm willing to bet that we're going to see the new Savant remote in that house. Oh, absolutely. That's right. We should see it there, right? That's, and that's, that's the whole thing that's so often these major publications seem to forget is that, yes, you know, show us, show us Philip Hughes. Show us all of that stuff, but also keep in mind that there is a whole level of products available on the market from integrators and not from integrators. Heck, there's stuff you can buy on Amazon that is good quality stuff that it's designed to work with everything. And so often they forget these things in these situations, and it, it, it at times can give our industry a bit of a, not a black eye per se, but make it look like we're not all there. Because they they always go or seem to always go with just those basic consumer products. So I hope due to the scale of this thing that they actually take more than you know for example what Target puts in a home because of what Target sells. I hope they go over and above and, and show both sides of that. Well, let me ask this, and this is not just to Matt, but to, to all of you guys: Is it more consumer? Because we, we've used the different terms, and I, I want to kind of clarify them. Is it more we're talking about the differences between consumer residential and pro? Or are we talking more consumer residential versus DIY, right? And that's that's the key, is there's a difference between DIY and, say, integrator level. Mm -hmm. And you can still have integrator level that is consumer programmable or, or something like that. Um, for example, Nest, it works out of the box with its own system. It will connect to some of the other products, but it can also be integrated into Control 4, RTI, Crestron, whatever, what have you. Um, it, it, it's the DIY stuff that sometimes limits things. Yeah. I remember seeing an article in, I think it was uh, uh, ooh, one of the one of the major public pubs, maybe Wall Street Journal, and it was talking about how remotes still don't work. And the most expensive remote they quoted, and I think Julie had a post on this on CE Pro, the most expensive remote they reviewed was two hundred bucks. <laughs> And that was their, they had this large article and just talked about how the industry still doesn't work. And everybody who is involved in the industry read it and said, well, that's ridiculous. You don't have to spend, you know, 20 grand. You can spend a couple hundred bucks and get something that functions. But no, limiting yourself to $200 makes it tough. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, would, I would offer a counterpoint to that in that the, the problem isn't necessarily those major publications. The problem is us. Because our vendors necessarily aren't. Now, I think it's changing. I think the tide is changing. I think Savant is a perfect example. Savant has looked at a bubble up 
marketing approach, which is rather than saying, yeah, we know our stuff used to cost $10,000 10 years ago, and then it was $5,000, but look, this year it's only $1,000. It's far different than the approach, which we're going to. And again, I I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm constantly kind of going, wah, 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 about this is that it's, you know, the $500 remote is the bubble up point for it. You know, the $1,500 basic control system is coming up. And, and Hopefully, my, my hope is that we as an industry are getting away from gadgets for that reason um, as we start getting more into solutions. And part of it is that, you know, those solutions that are inexpensive in the DIY side of things aren't, aren't, aren't perfect or optimal, but they're at least something that a consumer is willing to embrace a little bit more from an investment standpoint in the beginning. And that's that's where... You know, that's kind of the, 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 the midpoint we're trying to find, which is how do we bridge it so that we can make it affordable and we can make it reliable and robust and, and, and go across the way. And, 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 you know, there's there I think we're seeing it. I mean, look at Ping, look at Control 4, look at Claire Controls, look at Saban. I, I mean, there's a shift in our industry where we have to focus more on what the rest of the tech industry is doing which is making it accessible to the masses. Is it going to be perfect? No, but at least it will be evolutionary um, as opposed to, you know, we, we, we do have a cost of entry still. And by saying, well, yeah, it's really, really reliable, well, people might not be able to afford it. I mean, we'd like for them to, but, you know, they got to grow into their system sooner or later, and they're not just going to necessarily make a huge investment sight unseen. No, and it goes back to, unfortunately, it goes back to the, the kind of the YouTube effect of, of what's good enough and is you know that that whole barrier to entry i mean 500 bucks is an expensive remote let's be honest about it i mean you, you go back to the days of the harmony um yeah first one i ever saw was like probably 10 or 15 years ago and it was two, 250 300 bucks usb um you know configurable um but that was expensive for that day uh real quickly as, as we kind of wrap up here julie um i mentioned the fact that that our buddy josh Rago went to the the target store or the target house store uh, in San Francisco, CNET has this house. You remember talking about the, the Sears house, and I wasn't aware that they had one. But compare that experience, going to the Sears smart home experience, I guess. Uh, compare that to maybe, you know, the CNET, or the, not the CNET, but the Cedia experience from a couple weeks ago, or, or Target's version of that. Um, yeah, there's um, the, the Target store and the Sears store, they're both their flagship demo homes in uh, Silicon Valley area, or sorry, the Bay Area. And they're two very, very different things. Target's is a very conceptual, all kind of plexiglass space with um, interesting things being uh, lit up across the wall. And so it's very uh, conceptual. You don't buy boxes off the shelf, for example. Sears is a home and their original point was well we install windows we install garage doors we install exercise equipment um, so let's make this a real house with all the stuff we install um, the problem is there's too much stuff there's so many boxes there were like six different home automation hubs there and hubs are you know people don't buy hubs off the shelf and you've got these uh, sales associates who, you know, just know a little bit about each product and can't be very helpful. They, you know, I hate to say this, but they really needed to just focus on the devices themselves, the automated garage door opener, the front door camera, 
Um, if I, well, I, I, I approached it like a regular consumer. And, you know, if I would have gone into a space that just had a neat front door camera doorbell thing, I might have bought it off the spot. But then you go inside, and there's their hub, and this links to that, and that doesn't work with that, and this does. Maybe just want to go home and, you know, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go home and think about it um, with my spouse and digest all this information. It was too much information. They, they want to sell stuff right then and there. And it, it, it was just too overwhelming. Yeah. It, it sounds more I, like they were trying to, trying to act, use it as a sales piece rather than, you know, hey, here's something cool next time you walk into Sears. Well, they, they did that, too. And... But it just became so overwhelming with too many options and little robotics and, and this and that. It, um, it, it lost its focus. I mean, they put a lot of effort into it. And there's some neat um, scenarios that you can walk through. You know, the, the automatic closing of the garage door at the end of the day uh, when you go to bed. So there's some interesting scenarios, but then it just gets too overwhelming. Mm. I, I... All right. Uh, as we wrap up here, guys, real quickly... Um... Planar released, uh, my favorite topic is OLED just in general. Uh, they have a, a see-through OLED. Does this make any sense for homes at all in any way, shape, or form? Windows. Windows. Oh, Windows. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I saw the Samsung version, what we saw it three years ago at CES. Yeah. JJ? I want to say it was around three years ago that they, they did the first version, which was going to be for kind of like retail point mm. of sale, like for, you know, jewelry boxes or display cases and yeah. stuff. that. When I saw that, um, and I saw the, the the applications, you know, yeah, I, there's there is always, um, and again, when when you're talking about, you know, initially it's going to be for bespoke systems, but you know, you're constantly dealing with the aesthetics of a home. You're constantly dealing with design elements, and just because we're really really into gadgetry doesn't mean that the rest of the general populace is. Um, but if there's a way to provide the technological perks without making your house look like a stereo store or, you know or this Sears house you know or anything like that where you're sitting there going holy cow look at all your technology you're going wow this is cool this is functional this is a way that you know we can use um, the technology to augment what's going on in our house to make it more attractive to to uh, you know streamline things and so you know yeah when I when I saw it and I read it I was like sweet okay th there, there's some cool stuff that could be done with this but even Beyond just the entertainment side, just just the informational side of your home, and being able to bring things up like you know you're you're I mean, we've been doing it for years with with the custom um, control technology where we basically have a heads up display for your house you know and if you're looking at all of your critical systems your energy consumption your water consumption you know weather email any of these things I I view it as yeah these are ways that you can bridge all of these things together and not have you know five pieces sitting out there trying to do trying to do the job yeah absolutely all right guys that is going to do it uh for this edition of of our our residential show uh, at least the, the pilot episode uh with us has been mr joe whitaker uh thank you sir thank you guys how can people get a hold of you if they're interested um check out uh, joe underscore tech underscore guru sometime i will change that on twitter um also the thoughtful home.com and uh also check out cedia Yep, absolutely, cdia.org. Uh, also with us is Julie Jacobson from CE Pro. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, and if, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or CE Pro, how do they do so? 
Uh, CEPro.com. I'm on Twitter at Julie Jacobson. CEPro is uh, CE underscore pro. And uh, we love to hear from you. All right, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Matt D. Scott from Omega Audio Video. How, uh, how, how, absolutely. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott or pretty much anywhere using that. Matt D. Scott or Omega Easy Audio. To find. You are pretty easy to find, scarily so. Uh, and last but not least, Mr. Richard Fergoza, thank you, sir. Uh, where did it go again? There right it is. There. If you're watching the video, it's <laughs> at R. Fergoza. Yes, yeah, oh yeah, this is really good radio. Um, yes. At R. Fergoza on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me occasionally at CE Pro, working for my boss, Julie Jacobson. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's just comes from Jules. Uh, and uh, let's see, the Facebooks, the uh, also here at AV Nation at times, you can see when you want to find out about who owns the source code, you might be able to check us on a state of control talking true. about that. We have spoken about that a couple of times. That is uh, one of our... Once or twice. Once or twice. Once or twice. Once or twice. I actually got into it today with Mark uh, Coxon and, and Brock McGinnis about that very subject. So The coolest name in Navy. Brock McGinnis or Mark Coxon? Brock, yeah. <laughs> I, mentioned, I mentioned two people. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but go by the website. Uh, Matt D. Scott spent an awful lot of time making it pretty, so uh, give him some props there. Avionation.tv, avionation.tv. You will find this program, and hopefully you'll find it again uh, as we kind of work out the kinks of it and many others. Uh, Rich mentioned uh, our, our monthly show, State of Control. We look at control and automation. We have one that focuses on the uh, the technology manager side of, of things, live staging and events, media, social media and marketing, all sorts. Uh, and we also have our weekly uh, commercial and, and pro side of AV Week. So avianation.tv, avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been a special edition of AV Week.